Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Promise Center's weekly podcast. We hope that this message blesses you and encourages you to take your next step in following Jesus. As always, feel free to check us out at www.thepromisecenter.com for more information on our church, what we're doing to make a difference in Sonoma County, and how you can partner with us. God bless, and enjoy this week's message. All right, so... Uh, I want to go right into our message, Luke chapter 1 and 26, Luke chapter 1 and 26, with Mary, read out of uh, two passages, uh, two dialogues, one with Mary, with the angel, and one uh, where, where Joseph is conversing with the Lord, and, and I want to just look at these two because there's a message that's super important that I think that we're gonna, we can lean into in this holiday season and just kind of embrace the victory that's in Christ for us to overcome fear. And it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to the virgin named Mary. This is Luke chapter 1. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of the King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greeting, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed. Anybody ever been confused and disturbed? I think there was a sitcom called that or something. Anyways, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And this is what he said, don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And of course, she's trying to figure this out, and she said, according to your word, Lord, be it unto me. And so she goes and tells her fiance. You can imagine how interesting that conversation is going to be. And Joseph is trying to process this. And the Bible teaches us in Matthew 5 and 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, but being a righteous mother, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And there's this one big common denominator in the Christmas story. The Lord speaking to Mary, the Lord speaking to Joseph, the Lord speaking through the angels to the shepherds, and all these salutations, it was, don't be afraid. If you want to be a part of the story and you want to be in that narrative and you want to be in the nativity scene, you can't be afraid. I need you to not be afraid of what's happening. It's different It seems dangerous, it seems crazy, it seems like it's ridiculous, but I need you to not be afraid of what God is wanting to do in your life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and I thank you for this this season. This season brings so many emotions, experiences. I pray, Lord, for your people to be strong in you. I pray that we can continue to remember that you are the reason for the season, and we give there's a Jesus name, and everybody say, Amen. Amen. There's a, there's a theology out there that says that fear, fear is the absence of faith. And I actually kind of believe that, that, that it's close, but it's not quite there. I believe that, that fear is faith in the wrong thing. That it's putting our faith and confidence in something that's not supposed to have our faith and confidence. That we've misplaced our faith. 
that we put our faith in things like the what-ifs. Anybody ever put your faith in the what-ifs? What if this happens? What if this doesn't happen? What if they see? What if he knows? What if this job doesn't come through? What if we can't rebuild our home? What if, what if, what if? And then we end up going to, we go to Worry World. Anybody ever been to Worry World? And and that we, we, we go in line, and we're, we're in line at Worry World to get on the Worry, Worry World ride where we, where we go around and around and around and around. And, and I just believe that there's a victory in Christ that overcomes fear because he's not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us the, the spirit of power and love and of a sound mind. That's what we've been called to. I believe God's children should not live in fear. We've been called to rise above it. So this is the message today. That there was this call to Joseph and to Mary and freaked out. Shepherds to look at this crazy situation and go, you know what? I'm not going to be freaked out. Life has thrown me a curve. God is doing something. And I'm not going to be freaked out about what's happening. And a lot of times an interruption from God is an invitation into his purpose. Sometimes an interruption from God is an invitation into his plan and purpose for our lives. And we see life come and we see life go and we see things change, things that are out of our control. And if you're honest here today, there are fears inside of you. There are fears that you harbor. There's fears that you, you deal with, you pacify, you allow those to remain. Some of you today, are, you're fearful going, what's going to happen with my children? Are they going to serve God? What's going to happen with our economy? What's going to happen with our nation? What's going to happen with our world? And there's fear. And if we don't deal with fear correctly, you know what happens? We start making bad decisions. We start responding in the world instead of being proactive in the purposes of God. I believe that fear is the very thing that thwarts God's purpose. And it tried to thwart God's purpose in Joseph's life when he goes, this doesn't make sense. I can't wrap my mind around this. Mary, the same. I don't, I mean, Mary is a young girl, probably between 14 and 16 years old. On Pinterest, look, she's betrothed to a cool dude. She's excited about the wedding. She's on Pinterest looking at pictures. What are we going to do? What's the dress going to look like, right? How many guys remember when you were getting married and your wife forgot that you were getting married to her and she just thought about the dress and the wedding and you're like, hey, remember me? Mary is like preparing and there's a preparation time and all is well and she's learning to write her new last name, Mary Christ, right? Because Jesus Christ, no, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. So her last name was not Christ, but she's writing her new last name. She's figuring it out, you know, she's, she, she's, She's processing the change. She's excited about the new. And now God comes and interrupts what she's planned. And that's how quick it can happen. There's an interruption and you go, what do I do? How am I going to respond? How can this be? And fear grips your heart. Think about Joseph. Joseph's a tough dude. Okay? In fact, we talk about being a carpenter. I don't know if anybody here, your, your carpenters, and, and, and most carpenters I know, they're, they're pretty tough, right? They've smashed their thumbs a few times, but... But Joseph, in Matthew chapter 13, the Greek word for carpenter is not the word that you would think and I would think. It's actually tecton, or we get the word, uh, the, the tectonic plates that are underneath the surface of the earth. It's actually a stonemason. So really, Joseph was more of a stonemason. James Fleming said this. He's a, a, a Hebraic uh, uh, and Joseph historian. He said, he said, the odds are that Jesus, nine out of ten things that he made and Joseph 
was made of stone, not wood. And so Joseph, if you will, he's a tough dude. He's not some wimpy dude walking around, you know, who, who's, he's not making stuff for Michaels, like arts and crafts with, with hot glue, right? He's a guy who's moving boulders around. He's a tough guy, tough cookie, right? He's not using essential oils to go to sleep. And I know some of you use that religiously, and it works. I know if you ask, if you ask people who aren't doctors, they'll tell you that it works. It heals everything, right? But, but, but the truth is, is this. This is a tough dude who, at the end of the day, is standing going, I don't know how to process this. Like, I'm strong, I'm tough, but this has just rocked my world. And he's considering to put Mary away, and the Lord has to intervene because the fear has gripped his heart and gripped his mind, and now he's got some stinking thinking, and he's got some mind monsters. And fear is the only thing in this situation that can thwart God's plan. God wants to invade his life and do something, take the ordinary and turn it into something extraordinary. And it's fear that can thwart it. It's fear in the unknown. It's fear of losing control. And that's exactly what Jesus brings. When he comes into our life, it's like, oh my goodness, I don't know what to expect. That's right of your weapon. But I promise you, if you'll embrace the ridiculous, open your heart to Jesus, the best right of your life will be following Jesus, knowing him. And he will etch you into the story, the narrative. Of Jesus, Amen. I want to be a part of the story that's being written. We all know what it's like to be afraid. I know what it's like to be afraid. You know what it's like to be afraid. To get that phone call, to hear that news, to see, to feel like something's out of control. I'll never forget several months ago, maybe almost a year now. I was in a meeting and I saw my wife called and, and I pushed a little button on on the Apple phone, which can you can just say, "Hey, sorry, can't talk right now," but she knows, "Hey, I'll call you back soon." So I, I pushed that button. Continue the meeting. I look up, and, and after, you know, after I sent that message, I see that she's called six times, and she's texted me, hey, call me ASAP. Get with, get, 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 I, I need you quickly. And so I'm like, I, I call Heidi as quick as I can. I can't get a hold of her. I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. I literally run, get in my car. I'm going home. I don't know where to go. I'm just I'm going home, and I'm thinking the worst. You know, you think something's happened. Someone's hurt. Maybe, they, maybe she's hurt. Maybe the kids are calling. I don't know. And I'm thinking, like, how can I raise three kids? Homeschool? Are my kids going to be dumb? What's going to happen? All this stuff is racing through my head. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And so I call, call, finally get a hold. I call her like six times, finally get a hold of her. I'm like, babe, what's going on? I'm on my way to the house. What's going on? And I'm like, call this way. She's like, I'm, at, I'm in line at In-N-Out. I just want to know what you want to eat. And I'm like, I'm like, babe, first off, I'll take a double-double with extra pickles. Second off, this did not warrant six phone calls, right? You just scared me, all right? And... But, but life will happen in these moments that shift and you go, I don't know how to respond to this. And the first thing we want to do is be afraid of change. Be afraid of losing control. Be afraid. And this is the message of Christmas. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what God can do. Don't be afraid of relinquishing control. Look what God did in Mary and Joseph. Just a young couple, betrothed, engaged, and God says, I can use you. I can take the ordinary and turn it into something extraordinary. God wants to do that in our lives. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Luke chapter 2, and I'm going to read it really quickly. 
Luke chapter 2. It says this, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone was on because that's where they register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee because that's where they lived from the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. And while they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. First, what I love about this is this, is I love that Jesus was not born in a palace. Because if he was born in a palace... You and I would not have access to him. The people who needed him the most would not be able to get to him. What I love about this story is it shows us the divine providence because 700 years before, there was a prophet by the name of Micah who said, O Bethlehem, though thou art little among all the little clans and all the little groups and all the little subdivisions and all the little towns around uh, Jerusalem, though you are little, out of you shall come forth the ruler. It was a prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, 700 years before Jesus was born. What I love about our Bible and about this book is that this book is replete with prophecies, 360 major prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, where he would be born, how he would die, how he would teach parables, how he'd be buried in a rich man's tomb, how they would gamble for his clothes underneath the cross. 360 prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, one of which was he would be born, he would come from Bethlehem, though he would not be from Bethlehem, this would be the place of his birth. And so we look at this, and we look at the story that Caesar Augustus has issued a decree, and this is so important, because it wasn't on their radar. It wasn't like Mary and Joseph were like, hey, we've got to have the baby, and we've got to have it in Bethlehem. In fact, they're like, she's great with child, and I don't know if any of you have, have had your wife great with child, but the only thing my wife thought about when she was great with child is, honey, go get me a burrito from the taco stand. That's it. Not traveling 100 miles to go do a census and pay taxes. That's not fun at all. This is exactly what happened. And behind the scenes, here's what really happened. Something major was shifting in the world. Something major in history was happening. The, the Roman Republic was turning into the Roman Empire. The Roman Republic was always ruled by three men. And these three men in this last Roman triumvirate, if you will, was Gaius Octavius, Mark Antony, and Marcus Brutus. These were three men, all egomaniacs. And so they oust Marcus Brutus and they sent him into exile. And now these two dudes, Mark Antony and Gaius Octavius, there's a war, war by sea, war by land. It hap it's a civil war in Rome and it happens for years. And Gaius Octavius, the nephew of Julius Caesar, he wins the battle and he does three things. The first thing he does is his name to himself Caesar, like his uncle. The second thing he does he changes his name to Caesar Augustus, and he says, this is no longer the Roman Republic, this is the Roman Empire, and for the next 400 years, it would be an empire, not a republic. The third thing he does, he says, we got to pay for this war. We've got to get Rome organized, and so he puts out this census and gets everybody, I need you to go home, I need you to pay 
your, your tribute. And now the world is shifting in this chaos. And Mary and Joseph are probably going, oh, okay, thanks, God. This is awesome. First, first you impregnate my, my, my fiance. And now we have to travel right before she's about to have the baby. Not even computing the fact that all of these things were orchestrated to get them to the right latitude and longitude to fulfill a 700-year-old prophecy. And so when you feel like you're off the radar and you feel like life is out of control, remember the Christmas story that God knows exactly where you are. That an interruption is an invitation to God's goodness and his plan for your life. How many here can testify there's been some interruptions? There's been some things and it was how God finally got a hold of me, right? Moses was interrupted tending sheep because it was an intervention getting his attention for God's intention. That didn't mean for it to happen that way. That was really, I got to write that down. Anyways, Jonah was interrupted trying to flee to Tarshish. And God said, no, you're going to Nineveh. Interrupted him. You're going, you're going to Nineveh, buddy. Saul is trying to kill Christians. And there's an interruption because there's an invitation. Don't destroy the church. Build the church. And so we look at the interruptions in our lives, and we look at the hiccups in our lives, and we go, why is this happening? Look at the world. Mary and Joseph could have processed the whole problem. They could have said, this isn't fair. Look what's happening. We have no control of these things. But even in all of that cacophony that's happening in the Roman Empire, it was moving them to the right place at the right time to fulfill God's plan. I want someone here to know today you can rest your heart in God's plan and purpose for your life. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to use fear. Put your fear in the what ifs. You don't have to look at the loss of control and go, I don't know how we're going to rebuild. I don't know how the economy is going to rebound in Sonoma County. I don't know if my job is going to last the next several months. I don't know if my kids are going to love God and serve God. And, and there's all these things. You can go into worry world and stay there for a long time. Get a season pass to worry world. But God wants you to put your trust in him. Your trust in him today. I want to tell you today, if you'll put your trust in Jesus Christ, He'll make your life a miracle. He'll make your life a miracle. In fact, in this room today, there are stories. Stories of God's invasion, God coming into your life, unraveling it, and you go, what happened? God got my attention. Let's be honest. Most of us didn't come to Jesus sipping wine and eating caviar. Most of us came like those shepherds, going, thank God he's not in a palace. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He said, there was always one door. He said, the eagle has to humble itself and fly down like in Noah's boat, and the snail had to crawl up, but everyone goes to the same door. There's a baby named Jesus whose first smell was the smell of manure and a stable. But he said, I'm going to make it where if you have dirt on your face, you're welcome. Anybody, nobody has to have an invitation to come. Everybody can come and see the king. So I want to give you an invitation today. Do you want to see the king? Do you want to see Jesus? Do you want to invite him into your life? Do you want to see him rewrite the narrative? 
but it grows of your life. If you'll say yes to Jesus, I'm telling you, it starts off small, but it grows and grows and grows. The Bible says he grew in wisdom and in power, and before you know it, there's strength, and before you know it, there's change, and there's transformation, and it started with a decision, and it started with submitting, and it started with a baptism, and it started with the Spirit, and it started in, in saying yes and not fearing, and it started walking it out and getting connected with other believers, and all of a sudden, it grows, and he grows, and the kingdom of God grows in your life, and you're changed forever by his power. And it started with a baby, and it started with a decision, and it started with going, okay, I'm not going to be afraid to embrace the ridiculous. Would you stand with me?